This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. What if everyone actually is doing the best they can at that moment in time with the potential to change in the very next second to another best they can? Each one of us is doing the best we can, bending, adapting to the world. Who am I to say that the way you bend is wrong? Who are any of us to judge each other like that? We each may have a preference, but if we judge each other, we will just get angry and defensive. When we change the paradigm from incredulous to inquisitive, we encourage an opportunity to explore the other's perspective. That is how Dr. Joe uses his I am approach to wonder with the patient who they are and why they do what they do. For all of us to wonder who we are and why we do what we do. Valeria Tellez interviews Dr. Joseph Schrand, the author of Unleashing the Power of Respect, the I Am Approach. Dr. Joseph Schrand is Chief Medical Officer of Riverside Community Care, headquartered in Dedham, Massachusetts. He has been a lecturer of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School and an adjunct faculty at Boston Children's Hospital. He is triple board certified in adult psychiatry, child and adolescent psychiatry, and a diplomat of the American Board of Addiction Medicine. Dr. Schrand hosts the weekly radio show on WATD 95.9 FM. The Dr. Joe Show, exploring who we are and why we do what we do. He's the author of Manage Your Stress, Overcoming Stress in the Modern World, Outsmarting Anger, Seven Strategies to Diffuse Our Most Dangerous Emotion, the winner of the 2013 Books for a Better Life Awards, 2013 Psychology Self-Help Category, the Fear Reflex, Five Ways to Overcome It and Trust Your Imperfect Self. And, do you really get me? Finding value in yourself through empathy and connection. Outsmarting Anger has recently been republished in paperback, Due to Demand. Among colleagues and staff, he is affectionately called Dr. Joe, as he was Joe in the original children's cast of the PBS series Zoom. Meet Dr. Joe at drschrand.com. Here's the interview with Dr. Joseph Schrand. In your own words, who is Dr. Joseph Schrand? Valeria, Dr. Joseph Schrand is one person internally, but many people to others. And, and let me explain what that means. So I think I'm the same person to whoever I'm around, but they see me in a different role. So my wife, Carol, sees me in a certain way. My children see me a certain way. My patients see me a certain way. 
and then, you know, the people that I interact with. So it's really at times up to them who I am, but I'll give you a bit of my background, how I got here. My mother was an actress and my father was a pediatrician. So those two things have had an enormous influence on my life, theater and medicine and biology and just these remarkable things that we are called human beings. And what what that has done is given me this wonder. I'm just amazed at everything that happens around me. It's just the coolest thing. My my son Galen asked me, when's the last time you you experienced wonder, Dad? And I said, every day. Mm, wow. <laughs> every day. So wow. that's who I am. I mean, technically I'm you know, board certified in adult psychiatry, child psychiatry, and addiction medicine. I have my own podcast, The Dr. Joe Show. I have a nonprofit called Drug Story Theater, where we take teenagers in the early stages of recovery. We teach them improvisational theater, and then we use psychodrama, and they create their own scripted shows about the seduction of addiction to and recovery from drugs and alcohol. And then they perform these for middle schools and high schools for the treatment of one becomes the prevention of many. But in between each scene of the show, the kids step out of character and they teach this audience about the neuroscience of adolescent brain development and why it's at such risk for addiction. So that's part of who I am. I'm the chief medical officer of Riverside Community Care, the medical director of several other groups, you know, written five books, written a couple of musicals. I mean, there's, again, it's this combination of theater and medicine. And that's sort of driven my life, but I'd like to think that I'm just sort of a nice guy. <laughs> you are. <laughs> yes, and you definitely are. I mean, profound, light, like I said, off record. When I think of you, there's something, automatically I have a smile on my face. It just kind of, I don't know why, because we just met recently. I was on your show, and but there's something about your presence that stayed with me. So thank you for that, for being you. Well, <laughs> thank you, Valerie, for being you too. And, and you know, for those uh, folks who are listening, Valerie did an incredible interview on the Dr. Joe show. It's, it was deep and profound, and I hope people can listen to that as well. Do you ever think about the purpose and the intention for doing what you do these days as a professional? I, I wish I had a real purpose. I think I do. I, I think we all do. And I think what I'm trying to do is really just remind people that they're okay and to have hope. We, we live in this world of tension, of division. And I want to just remind people that we're one group. It's called humanity. So I think if I have a purpose and, you know, if, if I'm blessed enough to be given something like that, I think it would be just to remind people that they're valuable. What do you feel is the purpose of the human experience as a whole? I wish I knew. Again, mm -hmm. I, I don't mean to be yeah. so elusive. Yeah. But yeah. there are so many billions of reasons, each, each one for each person. But I'd like to think that the, the common thread is that we are creative that we care about each other, that we find ways, again, to build each other up instead of knocking each other down. 
that that that's our purpose. Our purpose is is to be part of all of this, not necessarily in the lead, not necessarily in the background, not necessarily the best, you know, but to be part of it, to experience it. How cool would that be if people just took a moment just to be reflective instead of reflexive and to wonder instead of worry? That's that's our purpose, I think. Do you have any spiritual belief systems, ideas, concepts about life or yourself? I do feel connected. I really do. I feel connected. I believe that there is a connection between all of us, whether we call it God or whatever. Uh, it's it's all the same, just a different name. And that's that's one of the things that I wrote right after 9-11, you know, when, when there was this this international conflict among religions as if a god really needs humans to fight for god <laughs> right it's like yeah. come That's on guys you know <laughs> yeah. i do feel spiritual in that way i feel connected but i also i think i think i use sort of a different word maybe of just being being here such an interesting, profound question. I, I, I can tell you the moment when I really realized I was connected. It was just sort of weird. It was made I was maybe 14 or 15 years old. I had a ring that my mom had given me, which was, it was like a gold ring that almost had a little piece taken out of the corner. And on the other corner was a tiny diamond. I don't know what the ring is anymore. But I wound up looking into this diamond it was a beautiful day, and the entire world seemed reflected in this diamond. And I thought, that's what it is. It's this, the world is a reflection of us, and we get to influence it. So we, we have an opportunity to create something here. Don't know what it is, always. Don't feel sort of... Um, narcissistic enough to say that it's <laughs> meant to be <laughs> but, but man I, I i definitely feel connected i believe that there's something that connects us all yeah how profound that is so the reflection we are the reflection of life itself of the world itself and what we get to do with our own perceptions and ideas of it in my influence it somehow, which it really seems to be true. So from my perspective, the more kindness and love we can pour into the vessel, which is the body-mind, conditioned body-mind, then we have that possibility of expanding that love and that kindness. So it really resonates. It sounds very spiritual to me. I know you don't call it spirituality. I'm happy to call it that, Valerie. I really am. I, I'm going to be honest. I I worry that if I call it that, that there will be a whole group of people who say, you know, you know, yeah. nah. and and if I don't yeah. call it that, there'll be a whole group of people saying, eh, no. Nah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what I'm really hoping is that yeah. is that instead of us, you know, hmm. creating once again these groups, there's this group and that group and this group. It's like, hey, we're one group, folks. It's humanity, and let's just really relish that, enjoy that, 
and recognize how much we have in common. There is so much more that we have that unites us than divides us. We just have to notice it. What would you say, like, what does it take for us to open up to it, to become more of a family member of humanity? Well, that's what the whole I am approach is about. The, the I am approach is saying that no one's broken, that we're all doing the best we can at every moment in time. And I think that once people really believe another person sees you that way, it breaks through those barriers of resistance. It breaks through that fear that you will be judged as less than and broken and allows you to respect. Remember, if you think about the words respect, re to repeat something, spec like a spectator, it's looking again, again look at why we do what we do. So that's why I truly believe that when somebody recognizes that they are respected, They feel valued, and then they can trust. And that's what it comes down to. We live in a world where there's so much devaluation, which leads to mistrust, and that backs up to disrespect. So we all want the same thing, you know, and perhaps we'll, we'll get to this in the discussion, but, but I truly believe we all want the same thing, which is just to be valued by someone else. That's so true. It, it resonates true to me. And at the same time, it's almost like a, a feeling that, that what we are looking for, it's peace, it's uh, inner peace, it's love. I know you call it respect, but isn't it love that we are looking to get at in a way to be loved and feel, right? Yeah. Again, to go back to, to part of my learning curve. There was a, a time where I got very interested in something called sociobiology, which is the genetics of behavior. And as I began to learn more about this, I started to realize that we are truly these human beings, these, these primitive animals who have a need to be part of a group. And the reason we need to be part of that group is because millions of years ago, we weren't the biggest animal or the fastest or the strongest. We were isolated mammals scurrying around, hoping not to be lunch. We were prey. We were prey. And then we formed these small social groups. And our survival potential has increased so dramatically that human beings are now everywhere. But to access the protection of the group You have to contribute to the group, which means you have to have value. And I believe that love is one aspect of that. Love may be the most profound foundation for recognizing that somebody else sees you as valuable. And then what happens in the brain is absolutely amazing because there's actually a neurochemical called oxytocin, Not OxyContin, not OxyContin folks out there. Oxytocin. It is, because there's this biological component, it doesn't diminish from the spiritual component. These things go together. That's, that's what you're saying all along, Valerie, that there's the mind and body. These things go together. 
But there's this remarkable part of us as a social animal that when we are reminded of our value, this oxytocin gets released and you get that feeling, that rush, that sense of being connected. And, you know, I, as a psychiatrist, I prescribe a lot of medicines, but this is one medicine I don't need to prescribe. At every and any moment in time, I can remind someone of their value. And whenever I remind them of their value, I increase my own value. Valerie, that, that's what you're doing for me right now, right? You've invited me onto your show. It's an incredible show. Just by that gesture, just by that invitation, you've invited me into your group, the group of all your listeners. And that, that makes me feel so much more connected. And part of it is this biochemical response. It's, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Of course, everything is connected and there are so many aspects of us human beings. And speaking of that, so because you mentioned the um, biological domain, please, can you talk to me for a moment about the home domain, the social domain, biological you just spoke of, and also the um, I see domain. That's how we see ourselves and how we think others see us. I would love to hear more about the other ones. I was curious about it. I read about it, but I would love to hear from you. I believe that we are always responding the best we can to these four domains. Your home domain, no one's going to argue your home has had an influence on who you are. Listeners, just think about the family you grew up in um, and how that has influenced you even today, your home domain. Now, I have patients who never had the kind of home that my family has. I didn't have the kind of home that my family has either. You know, my parents were angry with each other all the time. There was enormous disrespect in our household. And I determined I would not repeat that in my lifetime. So the home domain has a huge effect on us. Then there's the social domain, which is the rest of the world. That's you and I talking, that's driving in your car, that's walking down the street, that's going into a store, that's being at school, that's being at work. It's everything other than the home. The home is given a special place because it's so influential. But then there's the rest of the world, the social domain. These two domains are outside. And the two internal domains of the I am, your biological domain of your brain and body, are you hungry, are you tired, are you digesting your lunch? And then the I see domain. As you say, how do I see myself? How do I think other people see me? Human beings are very interested in what other people think or feel. We call that empathy. How are you feeling? But what we really want to know is, what are you thinking about me? Do you see me as valuable? And, and these four domains interact all the time, but I truly believe we respond the best we can. This is your I am, your current maximum potential. This is who I am. This is me. I matter. So you can take I am, make all those different acronyms, but it's who you are. Respond into these four domains. Now, the thing is, you don't have to like your I am. You don't have to condone it. It's not a free ride. Just because it's the best you can do at that moment doesn't mean you're not going to be held responsible because everything you do has a natural consequence. And it really, it doesn't even mean you're going to win and be successful. 
And for some people, success is when you love going to work and love going home. I mean, think about that. Success, I love going to work. I love going home because in those two domains, I feel valuable. But for some people, success is having food in the refrigerator. For some people, success is having a home to have a refrigerator. For some people, success is just waking up and being able to get through the day. But instead of judging ourselves and other people as less than and broken, not doing as well as they can, should be doing better, let's look again at why we do what we do based on the influence of the four domains without judging it. Let's look again. We spoke about this. Again, look. Again, to repeat something, look like a spectator. Let's respect why people do what they do without that judgment, but wondering what's happening in those four domains, that this is their I am. That respect leads to value, which is what everybody wants. And that value leads to trust. And when you trust, you can share your inner world. You can share your experience without fearing you're going to be judged as less valuable. Why is this important? Because if you're less valuable, part of your brain activates that ancient survival part. And you you begin to worry you're going to be kicked out of your protective group and be launched. So the I am is saying even that's an I am. But let's step back. Let's look again. Let's wonder instead of worry, right? And because, because these four domains interconnect, because the home and the social, the biological and the IC all interconnect, a small change in any one of the domains can have a big effect. You don't need to change everything. And, and Valeria, when, remember when you're on my show, I said, what small change? can you recommend to our listeners? Folks, as you're listening, remember, you don't need to change everything. Every day you can make a small change and that will also affect your definition of success, but also others. The second truth of the I am, because everyone's got one. Everyone's interested in what you think or feel about them which has an effect on their biological domain. Because you know it feels differently when you feel respected or disrespected. And because you are part of someone's home and social domain, the second truth, you control no one, but you influence everyone. You get to choose the kind of influence you want to be. And at every moment, you can remind someone of their value. And when you do that, you increase your own value and everyone becomes safer and safety is a reflection of trust. And these are the things that reflect love. Because it's not just, I love you. It's like, it's saying, you know what? I respect you. I value you. I trust you, trust you. Why? Why do you do what you do? I'm not going to judge it. I don't have to agree with it. But it, but it opens up the possibility for true and meaningful discussion and communication, even between groups of people who say, yeah, spirituality, yeah, I don't know. Or what do you mean no spirituality, what? So it allows the discussion, let's have it. Let's have the discussion. Oh my God. I love everything you see and how you see it. It's just, 
eye-opening, heart-opening. <laughs> it's just beautiful. I absolutely love, love the way you communicate the message of this dance, human dance of respecting, loving one another. It's very objective from my perspective because I'm very much into um, out there conversations about non-spirituality and all, but it just resonates so true. And when I hear you talking about coming from this space of non-judgment, makes me think about therapists and, you know, psychiatrists, people like yourself, so healers. So in a way, we would all become a kind of healer. I mean, that's what comes to me as a message too. I'm telling you, I, I got goosebumps when you said that because it is so true. And it comes back to this oxytocin. It's, it's, it's crazy, but scientists many years ago these scientists did this experiment. So there's another chemical called cortisol, which is a stress hormone. Our world is actually flooded with cortisol right now because of all the stress that's happening with the pandemic and, and the war that's happening, the tension that's happening. So these scientists did this experiment. They took couples and they were interested in the relationship that the couples had with each other. How well were they communicating? Were they arguing? Were they negotiating, communicating. So they gave them all these paper pencil tests to figure that out. And they then measured the cortisol levels and the oxytocin levels in these different couples. And the couples that had more difficulty with communication had higher levels of cortisol, the stress hormone. The couples that had improved communication had higher levels of oxytocin, the neurohormone of trust and love. Not a surprise. But then the scientists took it one step further. And they took all of these people and they gave each one a little suction blister. So they put a little thing on them and, you know, gave them a blister. The exact same size, the exact same depth on every single person. And then they measured how long it took to heal that blister. And the couples with more oxytocin healed faster. Love, love, love heals. Yeah. So, so, so we, we have to sort of recognize that there is this biology to us to be connected with each other. That does not at all remove the spirituality. Not at all. It's mind and body. You mentioned earlier success and how some people see success as, and then I have that question for you. What is success to you? That has been a really difficult question for me because either I want too much or I expect too much or I don't appreciate what I've been given and accomplished. But I think success is, is realizing that I have four amazing children who are doing amazing things in the world. I have a, an amazing partner and wife who I've known for most of my life. I've been able to help others, given the opportunity just to remind them of their value. You know, as a psychiatrist, I work with people who come in and feel they have less value. And all I want to do is remind them that they have it 
And here's the here are the four domains. Let's look at them. I, I feel I've been successful because 50 years ago, Valeria, 50 years ago, 1972, I was on this TV show called Zoom, which was, you know, a, a national national hit. Who knew, right? And and that still has an influence on people all these years later. You control no one, you influence everyone. So I think, I think, am I successful? I suppose in some ways, and yet I would love it if people really started to use the I am. I would love that. I would love it if people began to recognize that that their own definition of success is wonderful, but if you don't like it, you can change it. What small change do you want to make? So I think other people may look at me and go, oh, he's really successful. But, you know, I, I still think I've got more to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are doing. We can't stop it, right? In the way kind of life is flowing through us and, and doing what it does. It is, has influenced me, your work. So the more I think about it, yeah, it's incredible. I was doing that before already, but now I'm even more conscious about it. Yes, yes, yes. That's exactly one of my phrases. Intuition is the precursor to technique. So you intuitively are loving and kind and respectful, but now you understand why it works. What's actually happening? What, what? And that's the intuition. And I believe we all have this intuition. But once you know why it works, you can make it a technique. You can do it whenever and wherever you want to. And what I'm hoping is that one group over here begins to feel that the the respect for another group over there, and then they become one group. I, I, I just want to go back to the biology for a moment because there's this other chemical called vasopressin which, which evolutionarily actually is a precursor to oxytocin. This vasopressin is fascinating because when one group is attacked by another group, the vasopressin increases, which binds those groups to each other, and then they will attack another group. It's really interesting because we have this in our world. But if you don't know why something's happening, how can you change it? It doesn't mean you can never change it. It's a big ask. I mean, I know I'm, I'm, it's a big ask to say, respect this person, even if you don't agree with them. If you respect them and value them, they may trust you enough to tell you why this is their I am. And what came to mind earlier today, hopefully this will be an, an appropriate question, <laughs> is I was raised by, I would say, like a narcissistic kind of type of personality mother. And I was always doing everything to please her and, you know, to show her respect and kindness. And I mean, I did everything possible. And she was never satisfied and it was always asking for more and she wouldn't recognize so I wonder for those who are going through the same situation, like now, you know, have narcissistic husbands, how do we learn to apply the I am approach in these situations? Because they don't really listen or they don't 
don't respond well to love even or kindness. So, yeah, I guess that's my question. Again, I think one has to step back and look again. That's their I am. Why is the best they can do be narcissistic? Narcissism, in some ways, is a profound insecurity. You know, I have to be so sure of myself because I don't know if anybody else is going to be. So let's step back and look again and wonder, we're not confronting someone. Um, but, you know, I'm pretty sure that my parents were also pretty narcissistic <laughs> in their own ways, you know? Huh. And I joke, I, I joke, yeah. I say, my narcissism <laughs> is intact, it's okay. Yeah, um, oh, good. <laughs> but the way we do it is not take it personally. We step back and say, hey, it's not about me. The best this person can do is sort of be aloof and non-communicative and all about themselves. What's going on in their four domains? What happened in their early childhood and home domain? What's happening in their social domain? What's going on in their I see? How do they see themselves? How do they think other people see them? Are they afraid of how other people see them? And so they defend. And what's happening in their biological domain? I am convinced that when we can communicate this to another person, they will be willing to step back and look again at themselves. And, and I say this not just as a psychiatrist, but as a human being. I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I think, I can't remember whether it's in Outsmarting Anger or, or Unleashing the Power of Respect, but this is a true story. There was a stranger outside my house putting up a sign on my lawn for a yard sale, a yard sale at his house. And I went out there and I could have been really angry. But I said, oh, that's sort of interesting. What's going on? And he said, oh, I, I can do this. You know, it's right next to a fire hydrant. I said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying you can't put this up. I'm just curious. You're having a yard sale. What's happening? This person, this man, was then able to tell me what was happening. And he told me a story that I would not have been able to hear if I had gone out angry. And the story he told me was so touching that he was having a yard sale because it was two years since his wife had passed away. It was on their anniversary. He had gone upstairs to give her a mimosa and found her deceased in bed. And she had all these things. And he finally, two years later, was willing to begin parting with them. Valerie, I would never have heard that story. You know, the, the power of the I am is respect. When is the last time you got angry at someone who was treating you with respect? <laughs> you don't, because anger is an emotion designed to change things. We get angry when we want somebody to do something different, start doing something, stop doing something, think about it. But being respected feels great because it leads you to feel valuable. So we don't get angry. You don't get angry. That's the power of respect. So the book that you mentioned earlier, so the one that we talked today that has the I am approach is titled Unleashing the Power of Respect, the I am approach. I made some notes about in the book what caught my attention and you just said one of them that about anger. 
So that is so true. Anger, it's an emotion of trying to change something. That's really amazing to see. And I see that in the United States, it happens a lot. There's this emotion of anger. It's very prevalent here. It is. Right, for some reason. Not sure why. And and that's the thing is we, we can explore that. You know, there's nothing wrong with anger. It's what you do with it that's important. Some of the most important social changes have occurred because people said, this is wrong and I want to see it different. But what anger can do to another brain is elicit fear. When someone is around you that's angry, remember, they may elicit fear in you, in which case you don't trust them because that's what fear is, is mistrust. So instead, use the I am. Whoa, this person's really angry. What do they want to see different? Another thing that comes to mind is that we have been trying this for so long, trying to bring peace and work well together uh, in harmony, human beings, and we have not really succeeded. We have been trying for so long. I ask the question sometimes here, like, what time in history have we seen, you know, this large number of human beings coming together as a community and and kind of living in harmony and peace? I think we actually see it all the time. The problem is it's one community by one community. So within the community, there's very often this great harmony and peace. But then there's a sense, ah, uh, What about that other community? Are they (laughs) (laughs) better than me? Are they trying to take something from me? And then that's when we begin to form that vasopressin group mentality. And so the sort of reframe of it is, it's really nice if you think about it, that everybody wants the same thing, that we all want this value. We all want to be part of a community. But we have spent millennia increasing our value by decreasing somebody else's and then are astonished that they do the same. And that leads to the conflict and the wars that we have. But what the I am is saying is we don't need to do that anymore. At any and every moment, you can remind someone of their value and that increases your own value. Now we have two people who are more valuable more willing to cooperate instead of compete, more willing to trust instead of mistrust. So I think, actually, I believe we can do this. I know that human beings are capable of this. We just need to shift out of that primitive limbic system, this ancient part of our brain responsible for survival, and say, what will happen next? We use a different part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, right behind your forehead, is this part of the brain responsible for thinking, for solving problems and anticipating what will happen next. What will happen next if we keep doing what we're doing? We'll we'll destroy ourselves. But we don't have to. We can do something different because we can shift from the limbic to the prefrontal. One of my phrases, keep it frontal. Don't go limbic. (laughs) Yes. The more you talk, the more I think about that we need leaders like that in politics. Have you thought about that? Becoming a public uh, counselor or I don't know what you call them. 
Well, Valerie, I'm hoping that your platform will push me right there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> ah, I'll try that. <laughs> That'll be wonderful. <laughs> Let's do it. If, you know, if, if people pick up Unleashing, Unleashing the Power of Respect, the I Am Approach, and, and, and check it out and read it, you know, and you, you can apply it that day. You can do something. You go into a store, and when somebody serves you, you say thank you. It's that simple. You've reminded them of their value. You know, it happened right with us. You thank me. I said, you're welcome. This is what we do. When I say you're welcome in response to being thanked, the thank you is saying, I recognize your value. And the you're welcome is saying, you're part of my group now. Yeah, yeah. It's a sense of belonging being accepted, loved, as I say it. So we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. Would you like to add anything else that we didn't cover or read a passage in your book? There's so many things that we didn't cover because, and I, I know we're towards the end, but yeah. the only mistake people make when they ask me to talk is mm. they forget that I'm a psychiatrist. <laughs> As a psychiatrist, we listen. So when we do get a chance to talk, we don't stop talking. <laughs> oh, yes. That is so true. I forgot about that for a moment. <laughs> yeah. right. But that was wonderful to hear you. It's just incredibly enlightening, illuminating, insightful, and very much needed. I need to be reminded of it. I need to practice it myself in my community and pass this on as here uh, with the podcast, my writings too. So thank you for the reminder if, from the influence because you have influenced the conditioned parts of me. Thank you, Valeria. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I usually don't say it. You're welcome. That's interesting that you say that. You said that earlier. So mm. every time somebody thanks me for something, thank you, I say thank you. Oh, <laughs> thank you lovely. back. That's I never wonderful. say welcome for some reason. <laughs> that's lovely. That 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 is the reciprocity of value. It's 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 wonderful. So my final questions. Let me see. I have too many. I'll ask you this one. What do you love most about being in a human body? I appreciate that that I can still think and see. But, but there used to be a phrase, Valeria, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. I find at my age, my waste is a terrible thing to mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, right. so <laughs> about it, I, I yeah. love that I can still get up, uh, I can still walk around, I can still hold a cup of coffee, I can still hug my wife, Carol. I can still see my children, hear my children, um, play music. Um, I'm very grateful. But I will be honest. I don't take care of my body as well as I should. And I, I hope people can, can hear that as well, that, you know, that's part of my I am. It's a small change. I need to change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, an interesting, another reminder, right? That sometimes we forget about to kind of show their respect to the body that's doing yes. so much, right? It's keeping us alive. What is another word for life? What comes to mind when you think about life as in an, another word to ha- represent it? Evolution. I think life is evolution. I think that that we are, just think about what happens. You are a collection of cells 
and then you become an organization of cells and then you are born and you're evolving every single day and at some point you can recognize it not not right away but at some point you recognize it and i feel that that's part of what life is babies don't recognize that they're individuals for months and then they say whoa wait a second it's not just me everything around me is not just me so it's evolution it's being aware it's it's that recognition of the opportunity the opportunity the the honor and privilege it is to be part of humanity i love 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 a trillion times your wisdom your profound wisdom Gosh, I would talk to you forever <laughs> about everything else. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Joe, for your presence again in this reality, for everything that you represent, you stand for, for this beautiful, timeless wisdom that flows through you and how open you are to it. Thank you. It is my pleasure to be part of this. Thank you, Aria. Thank you. And before we say goodbye, a technical question. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Yeah. So I have a website, drstrand.com, D-R-S-H-R-A-N as in Nancy, D as in David, dot com. Uh, Unleashing the Power of Respect is on Amazon, along with my four other books. Yes, I know, four other books my fifth book. Uh, the Dr. Joe Show is a podcast. Make sure that you put in the I am approach or else you will get another Dr. Joe Show about cigars, which is not my Dr. Joe Show. You can go to www.drugstorytheater.org. That's theater with an E-R. So many of our kids wind up there. You can learn about my nonprofit. So uh, gosh, there's there's a lot. Wonderful. I'll have the link of your website on your podcast profile and the Thanks. other links too. Thank, Thank you so you. much again, Dr. Joe, and we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Looking forward to it. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Joseph Schrand and his work, please visit drschrand.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now. <laughs>